I'm going to jump feet first in here in my message today, and it's based on my shirt, Dad, and it's talking about leading your family as you follow God. Joe told me early on that as a husband, if I was willing to follow God, she would follow me. And she said, now if you ever deviate from that path, we're going to have issues. And I was very, very encouraged by her candor. So for the last 27 plus years, I've tried to follow God and my family has followed me. So many passages of scripture throughout the Old Testament, especially in a Hebrew family, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 is what we call the Shema. And the Shema is a daily prayer that a Hebrew family would pray both in the morning and in the evening time. And if we could speak Hebrew, it would sound something like this from verse 4. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echud. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Some of your translations will simply say Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. The word one in English, its Hebrew equivalent means compound unity, which of course we refer to that as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we see the foundation in verse 4. So what are we to do with that? The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. So when we see this progression, if you will, this sequence of imperatives, we, we see verse 6 speaking to the private heart of the individual. Aren't you glad that God's word speaks directly to your heart? There are moments, whether in a song, or in a sermon, or a Sunday school lesson, it speaks directly to your heart. In verse 7, it speaks to the family in the home. In verse 9, it speaks to the public realm of society. So we know that this Shema that we have read is applicable not only to those who were alive during the writing of Deuteronomy, but for those of us today in the 21st century. So what are we to do with these words? Dads, repeat them to your children, verse 7 states. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now one thing I know about verse 7 is, in order for us to do that today in the 21st century, you've got to spend and invest time with your kids. Zeke and I had a wonderful day yesterday. We went and got a workout in. Zeke will be 15 at the end of the year, so we went and looked at some cars. And then we were watching a movie together last night, investing time. Now, again, I don't know about walking along the road, but you've got an opportunity when you're traveling in your automobile. Uh, I've had the privilege the last three weeks to take Zeke to his workouts over at Westminster Christian Academy. And so each day we've gone through our Proverbs. Either I'm reading it or Zeke is reading it or our Bible app is reading it to both of us. And then we have a conversation about that particular proverb on that day. Zeke actually shared with Joe, man, I'm loving spending this time with Dad. I know it's only 22 minutes from our house to Westminster, but it's 22 minutes that are chock full of the Word of God and conversation. Speaking of time together, Cornell University conducted a study a number of years ago about the amount of time that a middle 
class father would spend with their small children. Now, on the onset of that study, they ask each one of those dads, how many minutes a day do you think you spend with your kids? And almost every one of them said between 35 and 40 minutes. Well, actually, the study says that the result averaged out to 37.7 seconds a day. That's how much time that a dad actually invested in the life of a small child, their son or daughter. Now here's my admonition to you all as dads, for those of you that are watching online and for those of you that are here today on campus. Hey, keep teaching your kids how to throw a ball, shoot a basket, shoot a gun, play an instrument, uh, paint on a canvas, make good grades, get into the right school. Please continue to do all of that. But please, oh please, lead them to Jesus. Take them to church. Teach them how to love and forgive others. Teach them that life is precious. Teach them that racism is sin. Teach them that life begins in the womb. Teach them to honor and respect their elders. Now that's just scratching the surface of things that we're supposed to teach them and lead them to do. But see, that primary responsibility in the days of Deuteronomy was left to the dad. I know that a lot of us today default and we let the wife or the mom handle all that. I would encourage you to be a team. In fact, there are things that Joe will look to me and says, you're the head of our household, make the decision. There are other decisions that we make and we collaborate together as husband and wife. Then there are other things about maybe what restaurant we're going to go eat at. It is Team Carwile and we all decide together. So how did they take all of this combination of things in the days of Deuteronomy and they would remember it? Well, it says in verse 8 and 9, Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So what I've shared so far helps us to understand that dads have a great responsibility. It's a pretty big job. The Bible is filled with dads. Some of them were good, some of them were not so good, some of them were simply indifferent. But I stand before you today on this Father's Day, 2020, our influence in the home is unparalleled. I don't know who forwarded this to me a number of years ago, but I've gone back and done a little research, and it's pretty much on target. It says a survey found that if a, a child is the first person in the house to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability that everyone in that house is going to follow and get saved. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. But dads, when the father goes first, there is a 93% probability that everyone in the house will follow and become a Christian. So that is a heavy weight for us to carry, but we, we carry heavier weights at our job. We carry heavier weights in our career paths. So why not carry this heavy weight for our family as well? I've been preaching Father's Day messages for 31 years. And like so many other pastors, I've probably been guilty of bashing a dad or two. It's never intentional. It's just sometimes, and, and this is what a dad told me one time. They said, you know what? Your Mother's Day messages are so sweet, and we give gifts to the mom. And then the month of June rolls around, and you just lamb blast us as dads. Why do you keep doing that? Well, that's not my objective today, to bash our dads. No, no. 
My prayer is that you'll walk out of here encouraged. For anyone that you call dad, daddy, pop, old man, or papa. So as you look at my shirt today and as you look on the screen, we see the word dad. And I want to take those three letters and just give you a little three-point message that hopefully you'll remember and take home with you. First of all, the letter D is to decide. There are some things that you have to decide early on as a dad. When I was getting close to graduating high school at West Limestone, I, I had some plans, I had some dreams that I wanted to accomplish once I got into college. But the Lord decided to change a lot of those, and that's okay. But I had decided that if I ever got married, I wanted to marry a Christian young lady, and I wanted somebody that would go to church with me. And if we ever had children one day, I would want to raise up those children within the context of the local church. So you've got to decide, guys. Joshua chapter 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Well, what were those gods, little g? Money, power, prestige. These were things that were gods then. They're also gods today. The scripture goes on to say, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. That's our word, decide. The word choose that's used in the ESV version in verse 15 comes from a Hebrew word, behar. And that word behar means decide. Decide this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land which you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to make up your mind. I've had conversations recently with some brothers and in having that conversation, I said, you've got to decide whom you're going to follow. You've got to decide what you're going to do. And if it comes down that the Lord gives you a family, me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Talk is cheap, guys. And, and what happens is we'll talk a big talk, and then we never follow through. So when you decide, you've got to put feet to it. You, you've got to make sure that I'm not just you know, saying something and then I'm never going to follow up. Joe helps me in this as far as me being accountable when I promise Zeke, hey, Zeke, when I get home, we'll go work out. Or when I promise Danny that I'll throw her on the bed and, and maybe watch a little movie with her. Joe helps me with this because sometimes we can all get so busy, we're doing our own thing. But once you decide, you've got to follow through. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord, which leads us to the next letter. The letter A is act. What does that mean, act? Joshua 24, beginning in verse 22. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away. That's the act. That's the action, if you will. You've got to put away. You've got to turn aside. You've got to avoid. You've got to depart from. You've you got to remove it. You've got to put away these foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. Now after we decide, we've got to act. So we've we got to do something. It's an imperative here. It's not something that we can remain neutral about. We've got to make sure that we're continuing to move forward as a parent, as a dad, as a mom. 
Because I think it's very important that our kids see a stability about us, a consistency about us. Now, some of us were not raised in that setting. And maybe that's even the reason why some of us still struggle to this day, because it was never modeled in front of us. I'll tell you one thing that I've learned in my five years at First Baptist Church. There's a lot of people I can look to that are models. They are men and women of faith that if I stay married as long as they've been married and I'm able to finish well like they're finishing well, that's what it's all about. Zeke and I are having conversations right now and he'll be 15 and so part of what yesterday was was he looking for cars and maybe things he would like and that type of thing. So we're just having a, a great father-son kind of day. Well, in the midst of that, uh, he's asking me questions about one thing or another and and it comes a time that all of us as dads, instead of deferring, let's be that man of God and say, I'll answer that question for you, son, even when it's a hard conversation. And there's going to be difficult conversations that all of us have to have. And when those come, don't shirk away or, or shrink away from that responsibility. Embrace it and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Praise God, we don't have to do this alone. That third letter... Our final letter is the letter D again, defend. I decide, I act, and I defend. Who am I going to defend? I'm going to defend my wife. I'm not only going to defend her and protect her from harm, I'm also going to defend her spiritually, theologically. I'm going to make sure that what she is reading what she is studying, what she is being taught in Sunday school, I'm going to make sure that I am defending that. That's my responsibility. And men of God, do not default or defer that to anyone else. Make sure you stand up and you defend your wife. You defend your kids. There's a time to stand up for them and, and, and let your sons and daughters know, Dad has my six. Dad is behind me. He's going to help me. When Zeke was born in 2005, man, it was so cool. He's a boy. I mean, I, I, I'm going to get to throw him around and wrestle with him and teach him how to play ball. All that was fine. But almost six years ago when the Lord gave us that little girl, man, I'll go to prison for her. I'll do whatever is necessary to defend my little girl. And, and over the years, and just the last few years, that love, and yes, I'm wrapped, and I'm okay with that. But I will tell you, you hurt my little girl, I'll hurt you. And when I go to prison, I'll start a prison ministry, amen? And I'll do it gladly and joyfully. But I think sometimes we, we neuter our men and say, no, I'll just be passive and, and just sit back. No, we're to be defenders of our wives, of our children. Protect them with your life, that you're willing to lay down your life for theirs. Just like the Lord Jesus laid his life down for us. Look at Joshua 23. The Bible says Joshua summoned all of Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I'm now old and well advanced in years. So we're, we're coming to the end of Joshua's life. It says, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to the nations for your sake, meaning all these nations that came against Israel have been defeated. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. So men of God, dads, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to fight for your family alone. Verse 6. 
Therefore be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from neither to the right hand nor to the left. I'm not talking about getting into the gym and working out with weights. I'm talking about being very strong theologically, very strong religiously, very strong emotionally. That our children ought to be able to say, Dad has got his act together. So be strong to keep and do all that is written in the Word of God, turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left. Our sons and daughters need to see a consistency about us. And listen, I know life happens to us sometimes, but let me remind you of Colossians 3 and 2. Set your affection on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Because if you're focused on the things that's going on during the pandemic, if you're focused on all this other stuff, you're going to be inconsistent in how you live your life. But boy, when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, look at verses 9, 10, and 11. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you will put to, fight, to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. If you get nothing else from this 22 or 23 minute message today, love the Lord your God. To make sure that you as the dad, you as the husband, are setting the tone in your family as it comes to the things that matter most of all. Well, I believe the Bible, Joel. Well, notice this quote by Ed Cole. The only scripture you believe is the one you obey. We got a lot of hearers of the word, but we don't have a whole lot of doers. And it's not just enough to say, well, I've got a lot of scripture memorized. Well, are you being obedient to that scripture? That, that's the key. Are you being the kind of husband you're supposed to be? Are you being the kind of dad you're supposed to be? Are you being the kind of son you're supposed to be? Oh yeah, the only scripture you believe is the one you obey. So men of God, hear me out. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Act like men. I love that text. Because we got a lot of males today that don't act like men. They're not stepping up. They're not being who God has ordained them to be. A few years ago, a movie came out called Coach Carter. It was about this coach who goes to this high school that's not doing real well, and he turns the program around. There's a particular part in this movie where a young man stands up and he begins to quote a particular poem I've taken that poem and I've sort of adapted it to where we are today. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate as fathers. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be a man of God, filled with wisdom or my child's hero? Actually, who are you not to be that? You are a child of God. Your playing small as a dad does not serve the world. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us. It's in every one of us who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Men, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give our wives, children, and families permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear... Our presence automatically liberates others. 
You see, men of God, when we do what we're supposed to do in the home and in the family, it liberates our wife and our children to do what they're supposed to do. Men of God, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, it holds them in bondage. Today, for some of us, your decision for Christ is not just for you. It's for those you are leading as you follow God. But you can't be fearful doing this, and I got a scripture for that as well. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That focus on the sound mind, we need men of God who have a sound mind. We need men of God that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 will put away childish things. Because when you were a child, you spoke like a child, you thought like a child, you reasoned like a child. But when you become a man, you're supposed to put away the childish things. Some of us, this very hour, there are some things that you've become entangled with. There are some things that you're now addicted to that you need to be liberated from. And only Jesus can do that.